You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. You're listening to episode 96, and the countdown to episode 100 marches on. Um, we're not really sure what we want to do for episode 100. I know we want it to be special, but I, I lo- uh, maybe we'll do another live show or something like that. Two things. I love that we do countdowns by episode count, not by progress through the biblical narrative. <laughs> That's right. It's not like countdown to the end of Genesis. We're almost at Exodus. It's, oh, it's episode 100 and we're almost done with Genesis 19. Um, uh, second, we are celebrating. We are getting lunch for episode 100. I mean, yeah. we're going back to Clay's House of Pig chop yeah. in Tupelo because so that was really good. Uh, Shout out to Clay's House of Pig here in Tupelo, Mississippi. And if you're ever in the area, you got to try it out. Gan- Gandalf, I feel like you need to come up with some podcast merch for me to drive down there and get because it took me to episode 89 to get my season two mug. Well, well, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'll do. I'll make some. I'll make some merch with the current logo, and then we'll wait about a year and a half. And then when it's out of date, then you can come and get it. That's it. Yeah. That's like when I uh, one <laughs> one time, and this is oh, this is awful. I shouldn't even share this. Uh, one time, uh, a uh, I think it was a North American Mission Board rep was coming through the town where I was pastoring, and they gave me. Uh, they said, "Oh, dude, while I'm here, do you want like a." A sweatshirt or a, or a jacket or something. I was like, man, that would be awesome. Um, and they gave it to me, and I noticed immediately, like, oh my gosh, this one has the old logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they're 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 unloading the. This was this was on the way to Goodwill. <laughs> um, thanks for giving me your best. Uh, yeah, I'm not naming names though. Yeah, um, better together, cooperative missions. Mm-hmm. All right, well. Uh, before we get started, let me go ahead and do a quick plug for you guys guessed it to like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. Let me tell you guys, we've hit major milestones recently that are just super encouraging from our perspective. We have over 60,000 listeners total who have listened to any amount of the show. And we also have, um, we're either at just under or just over, I need to go back and check, um, 2,000 weekly listeners. Uh, across all of our platforms. And that is just a huge encouragement. And that is driven uh, exclusively by you guys both liking and subscribing and also telling people word of mouth. All these things cumulatively add up to more and more people getting to hear the podcast. So if you believe that the podcast should be heard by more people, do two things for me. One, make sure you're liking and subscribing so you can get a notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode. And two, man, just tell someone about the podcast. Just plug us on Facebook, your social media. I saw folks plugging our podcast this past week on um, Facebook. I get the notifications whenever someone tags us, and that's always encouraging to see. Drive down to Tupelo, maybe Gandalf gives you a season two mug. Yeah, (laughs) maybe you can get old merch, you know, we can offload it. Yep. (laughs) Nathan, your participation in this project means so much. Here's a season two mug. (laughs) 
<laughs> Speaking of which, we ought to, uh, I feel like we're, we're probably getting close to the end of, of season three because when last we checked in with Lot, um, it was going down. Uh, so where are we in the story this week? Oh, well, it's still going down. Actually, it's not gone down just quite yet. And we're still in the talking about Lot pre-destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're going to stick with that today. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing that we talked about that we needed to discuss is, um, because some of the stuff that we talk about is, um, filling in gaps or connecting dots that, you know, really aren't discussed often, uh, you know, even some of it, not even standard for commentaries, but, uh, another thing is sometimes we want to speak into those spaces where discussions have been had. And one of those is with the biblical perception of lot, mm-hmm. um, because, if you look in the Old Testament, you know, you let, even in this passage, Genesis 19, um, which I think Matt is reading today, maybe. Um, but if, if you look in this passage, Lot does some shady stuff, some questionable stuff, and we don't really know what to do with that. But you flip over to the New Testament, like Second Peter chapter 2, and lo and behold, time has been kind to him, and he's known as what? Righteous Lot. Righteous Lot. So how, how do you get from... Lot, who sat at the city gate because he'd so assimilated in the city that he was, you know, presumably in the place of an elder. How do you get from that image to righteous Lot? And this is a space that several uh, commentaries, several biblical writers have spoken into. And so we figured we'd give it a better than fiction Bible podcast uh, take in today's episode. Yeah, I think another thing to be reminded of is when you look at biblical stories, especially Old Testament stories. And I guess this is true from some of the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. Often when we study the stories and the characters, there are two points of application. Either one, do what they did, or two, don't do what they did. And that, those are the two main takeaways for many of the stories. But I think it's that's oversimplifying everything. Because we've talked in previous times, whether you look at a passage like Hebrews 11 that celebrates people that didn't have necessarily the greatest of track records uh, as we read the story, yet it seems that other biblical authors are celebrating them nonetheless. So is God grading on a curve? Like, are, are we, when we hear the word righteousness, you know, if we've you've spent any time, any amount of time in a protestant or a catholic church you you know that god's righteousness is so far above ours that our righteousness is like filthy rags yet here lot is called righteous like you know help me obi-wan can never hear yeah everyone seems like okay i know people who are more righteous than lot i know we're all filthy (laughs) rags that's right but lot's not making the inner circle Uh, (laughs) and yet and yet when we read the bible he is called righteous lot Right. And so it's interesting because the scriptures inspired our theology is not necessarily. And yet the scripture, you know, if it has scripture has the final say, whatever righteous lot means in Second Peter, when we look at that in a second, uh, it's true. Uh, like he, he is called righteous. So we're going to reread Genesis 19. And then what, I, what uh, I'm saying is I would love to be eulogized by the New Testament authors. 
that's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, but but anyway, it 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 also is interesting to me is that when we come to Lot and we're like, man, a righteous man that entered into an unrighteous place and contaminated himself with sinners. If you know, if he'd really been of God, he wouldn't have done anything like that. And thus, there goes the incarnation, mm-hmm. and Jesus has no mission anymore. Because he wasn't allowed to commingle with sinners. Awkward but, silence. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, there's a lot that we can see, no pun intended, here in this story. Uh, <laughs> Let me read Genesis 19, and then, Nathan, why don't you then take us to Second Peter, and we'll go from there. Yeah, okay. okay. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance and shut the door after him. And he said, I beg you, brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Good gracious. I know we read that last Mm. week. It's so hard to get over that. Okay. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, 
oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is not... Is it not a little one, and my life will be saved? He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Before I keep reading, it just occurred to me that that city was spared because the righteous man went there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hello, Abraham. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. The apparently the best thing that ever happened to Zoar. Then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and He overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the land of the valley, and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Yahtzee. Yeah, man. Thank you, Matt. That's... You know those little um, historical marker plaques that you find in like little small towns? I imagine <laughs> Zoar has one that just like, uh, Lot, Lot be, fled here one th- time. Yeah, there needs to be a statue of Lot in Zoar. <laughs> like, because, because of Lot's presence here, he saved us. Do you, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I know, I know I'm known for this, but I'm about to reference Lord of the Rings again. There it is. Do you know the, the part at the very end of Return of the King where after the ring falls in to the, the fire of Mount Doom, like the ground like crumbles and Sauron and all his armies are like symbolically cast into the abyss, but like the armies of Gondor and Rohan. Yeah, they're saved. Like, th- that, like the that, ground goes all the way around them and yeah. there's just one little spot that's safe. That's how I imagine Zoar. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, like, when I read this, this story, is, uh, Nathan... This this like, reminds uh, this reminds me, you know, when you hear about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, this is completely out of the context of the original quote. Uh, but uh, I think it was Bishop Stephen Neal, and he was talking about, uh, you know, uh, Joel talking about the sun being darkened and the moon turned to oh, blood. Oh, yeah, Joel too. He said, yeah, he said, when, when, you hear, when you hear about the sun being darkened and the moon turned to blood... Don't expect the follow-up to be and scattered showers elsewhere across the countryside. <laughs> I mean, this That's is funny. This is for real. This is apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this is hardcore. But when we look at this story with our Western eyes, immediately because uh, we we live in a day and age where um, uh, the you know, history is really just now coming to grips with the wrongs that have been perpetrated against women through the ages of being undervalued by men, even the men in their lives. We see this dad seemingly offering his daughters to this, you know, lustful 
uh, violent mob. We see uh, the fact that he's living in Sodom. And through our Western eyes, Nathan, like this is just not stacking up for a, a righteous lot. But how, yet, dare, how dare you is, call this dude righteous? What does righteous? Second Peter yeah. say? Yep, Second Peter calls him righteous. Uh, if if you wanted to start at verse um, uh, seven in Second Peter chapter two, and it said, "And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard." Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Uh, don't um, respect boundaries. That's mm, it. That's and you could you could go. I mean, you can go further in the Second Peter passage. Uh, you know, we talk about them like groping at the door. Second uh, Peter two talks about uh, you know even when they're blinded, they're groping at the door. Uh, second yep. Peter two twelve says, but these like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blasting about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be. Dis- I mean, they 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 are single mindedly pursuing their own destruction. You know. So yeah, um, if you look at also the rest of verse ten, and this taps back into last week's episode, but it says, not only they despise authority, authority, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas Angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment before against them before the Lord. So, uh, man, man, that makes me want to talk about Psalm eight, but I'm not going to. Yeah, but this is all tied into the Lot story. This, it, what I'm saying is, Second Peter is he's got the same viewpoint as Jude. It's it's the whole passing. It's crossing boundaries it's the it's not just the it's as you said last time or two times ago nathan it's not just the sexual immorality it's the whole idea of crossing boundaries that god has set between the spiritual beings and human beings the greater message there is the fact that it's crossing the boundaries of god's design because they just don't fear god that's that it they're they're willing to to harm angels that's it uh, so here's the question, uh, scandalous topics guy. How does Lot come out of that hodgepodge righteous? Well, I, so I think there's a couple things here. So we have a tendency to look only at the negative and not look at the positive. Gandalf, what in the story that we just read, what are some positive things that Lot does? Because well, it's say, not all negative. Well, I mean, positive things is he correctly... Shows hospitality to divine visitors, same as Abraham. Yeah, ding, bows ding, to ding. the ground, makes a feast. That, that, that's an echo of the righteousness we see in Abraham. Here's mm-hmm. here's um, here's some matzah bread. Save the recipe. Right, that's right. He, that's right. he probably told his wife, "Quick, quick, make some <laughs> make some bread." Uh, right. Uh, but the, I know another big thing for me is that I mean he he tries to save the city. He tries to save the people in the city. He even you know. We, we look at it horrified through Western eyes, but he even tries to give an out to the men from committing, you know, a, a wicked act. Yeah. That, so, uh, and that, and that could have argued that, go ahead. Yeah. Matt, you had a great take on this before we started recording, especially in light of the boundary crossing thing. Mm-hmm. How, in other, in other words, you know, you talk about history, offense against women, how in the world can lot, how in the world can he think to offer his daughters up in the place of these men that the city men want to have turned over to them? 
Well, so I think it's another thing too. If we were to put our, like, I think if we could talk to an ancient Middle Easterner, they would not understand this the way we do. Uh, again, last week we talked about looking at this as inherently sexual, but there there was more than just sexual offense going on here. There was inhospitality on the part of the Sodomites. There was, Ezekiel picks up on that, there was the whole boundary and crossing thing. So when we look at Genesis 19, 8, behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do with them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. We can only think here, wow, Lot is trying to, you know, uh, get out of this alive, basically, and he's willing to sacrifice his daughters. But if you or that yourself, or that or that Lot recognizes the consequence of crossing that boundary and says, "I would right. rather I would rather personally bear the shame and reproach than the whole city fall under judgment." And I think what you just said is important. These are Lot's only two children. For Lot to offer his daughters is to, in the ancient world, your children are everything. Yeah. Lot is surrendering everything about him to spare these men. And again, read this in the global, you know, listeners, read this in the global context of the, the story that's framing this on both sides. Right before the story, Abraham gets promised Isaac. Right. On, right on, and, and, they, and he laughs, and then Sarah laughs. In this story, Lot is willing to offer his daughters and his son-in-laws laugh at him because they think he's joking about the severity of the situation. On the other side of this, Abraham will show a willingness to offer Isaac. And, and we, oh, see yeah. that as a, we see that as a clear demonstration of Abraham's righteousness. Uh, not Dude, giving I him, never not, thought about not, that. Not giving him over to be uh, you know, sexually mistreated, but giving him over to death. The, You're talking about Mount Moriah, the offering of yeah. Isaac. And so, yeah, so wow. kind of re, kind of reframe, Lot recognizes, Lot's the only one in the city who responds to these angelic visitors appropriately. Lot recognizes the severity of the situation, the severity of the boundary issue. It's For Lot, it's not just a sexual immorality thing. This is a... And this is a divine human boundary, and if we cross it, it's going to be disastrous. And Lot alone is trying, imperfectly. He's trying to prevent the flood. Exactly, dude. Uh, that's that's why you have so much. Uh, you know, just like the flood has the entrance and the door, you have that same imagery in the story. Lot is trying to prevent Genesis six all over again. That led to Genesis nine. Uh, That's it, the, uh, and, or not just Genesis nine, Genesis. And you'll have uh, you'll have other echoes of the you'll have other echoes of the flood in the story, as you know, uh, by the time we're at episode one twenty. But one of uh, the things that we did see is that Genesis nineteen is also a design pattern after Genesis eighteen, and we talked about intercession uh, a few t few times ago that Abraham was interceding for uh, the righteous in Sodom. What's funny is when you look at this story. Lot goes out to persuade whoever would listen to him, any anybody of value to you. It's clear there are no more righteous people in the city. Lot is interceding, not for the righteous, but the unrighteous. And Lot knows that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Lot, you know, uh, we've talked about this, that Lot, you know, hears the angelic announcement, uh, but but Lot lingers. He, he doesn't mm -hmm. just immediately leave. Why? Why? If this guy's righteous, why would he linger? Because he knows that he is the last hope 
of mm-hmm. of or persuading anyone else in the city of unrighteous people. He's the last hope of persuading any of them to do the right thing to save themselves. Gandalf, um, I know we talked about Second Peter. There's a, a very famous verse uh, in Second Peter three about God's seeming hesitation or delay when it comes to bringing judgment. Uh, does you know, right after you talking see, about righteous lot and second right Peter after two. talking about righteous lot you may not have paid attention before of where first Peter 3 9 occurs but second Gandalf, Peter, second Peter yeah or yes excuse me second Peter 3 9 occurs but what does second Peter 3 9 say second Peter 3 9 says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance so Gandalf can you see an echo of here of a patient Lord not wanting to bring destruction even in the imperfect picture of Lot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've, we've, we talk about this all, all the time, about how if you really read the these first chapters of the Old Testament, it turns out, you know, as opposed to a casual reading, God really is offering a whole lot more mercy and grace than what he's been given credit for. I mean, number one, God's saying, okay, I've heard this outcry from Sodom, but I'm going to go down there and look at it for myself. I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. scope it out rather than just deploy the nu- the tactical nukes immediately. Uh, also, he's going to listen to Abraham and listen to his appeals. He's also going to um, allow Lot to save whoever will listen. And then even going so far as to save a random unrelated city. <laughs> Right, that lot just lot just wants this thing. That's per that that's exactly what's here in Second Peter. Like, like Zoar was going to get the torch, and yeah. and Lot intercedes and says, "Here, just let me go there," and Lot's presence covers the that's people good of enough. Zoar, and yeah. that is man. Uh, it it that- makes it makes me uh, <laughs> the whole Lot thing. About Lot, uh, you know, Abraham intercedes for the righteous. That's that's right. Max's point in Genesis 18. Lot is trying to step in the way of those he knows to be unrighteous. Right. Uh, it makes me think of the Dark Knight. Right. The whole the hero Gotham deserves and the hero Gotham needs. Right. <laughs> um, I like Lot. Lot is not perfect. That's not what we're defending. But Lot clearly, Lot can get out for himself. He can save his own skin at any times. The angels keep telling him. It's not himself he's worried about being saved. He's trying to save as many of those around him as he can. Even, even though he knows, yeah, of, e- even to the point of being the bad guy uh, uh, upon, um, if, if that's what it takes to save him, you know, uh, I, there's something to that, especially in the light of Abraham and the priestly office framing this in Genesis 18 and when we get to Genesis 20 uh, with Abimelech. Mm. Uh, I, there's so there's just it's, something it's, to that. And you know, there's something else too. If you look in verse 30, and I haven't done a lot of any reading on this, but just as a quick, how this scripture hits me, it says, this is after Sodom and Gomorrah. Now Lot went up to Zoar and lived, excuse me, Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. So here's a question. Why was he afraid to live in Zoar? Like God already said, he's going to spare the city, and he did. Maybe it's because the people of Zoar didn't want him there, and like, like, and this yeah, is they probably, so, they this probably is so textbook was, uh, Bible. Dude, like, you are God you are, sends a you savior, are, and he's rejected. <laughs> you are you are bad juju lot. We saw what happened to the last place you lived. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, but no, you would think that they would no, look around and be like, oh, 
every other every other city in this valley is destroyed except ours. No. Let's cast the one guy out who like survives. No one mm. is underwriting that insurance policy. Um, <laughs> burn me once, shame on you. Um, yeah. So, but I, I just I wanted us to speak more concretely because so often when you you get takes on quote unquote righteous lot, um, some people and I do think there's something to this, but some people will go to uh, you know 1929. Uh, so it was that then God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and they will have right. They'll have lot being righteous by somehow through his association with Abraham and indirectly through Abraham's faith. But one thing I, I wanted to bring out in the passage is it's not just this passive association with Abraham. He actively shows the angels hospitality in the same way Abraham does. He actively demonstrates uh, a reverent fear of God the same way Abraham did. And he actively tries to stand in the gap the best we can see um, the same way that Abraham had. And and maybe, you know, because he knows everyone around him is unrighteous, maybe to an even greater degree that Abraham had. But right. both of them He's are interceding trying for the unrighteous. Both of them are trying to save the city. Um, right. uh, and I, I did not want us to miss that. And, and others say, hey, maybe Lot repented later in life or, you know, God is affairs in order. So the New Testament, right? Let's deal with the Bible as it has. And I mean, there's some, there's some substantial details there that, that are worth engaging in my opinion. Yeah. So just to revisit Second uh, Peter chapter two and verse seven, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, like, uh, Unrepentant people aren't distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. Like, well Lot said, is noted as a righteous man living in Sodom, and it says, "For as it's that not righteous all, that's man right. lived it's not later. among it's... them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard." Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Um, so the, man, as Gandalf mentioned earlier, it, it's kind of like, you wouldn't think of Sodom and Gomorrah of being the go-to passage of God's kindness. But when you think about bringing down the hammer, I'm just saying that human judgment and bringing down the hammer never looks like this an out after an out after an opportunity after a time period of, uh, well, yeah, uh, and we we think of dealing with our enemies in this apocalyptic <laughs> way. We're like they'll never see this coming. God's right. the exact opposite. I'll give them every chance possible to turn to turn around right. to get to get out of there. So, um, yeah, man. There's uh, and then there's like when you get and I think part of this and this is not to we're out of time, but part of this is using our understanding of theology and laying it on top of the text. If you know, we take our understanding of, well, hey, there, you know, when the Bible says none is righteous, no, not one, that we are all basically uh, born just horrible, horrible people that deserve judgment, then there's the only way you can find righteousness in Lot is looking for some kind of alien righteousness, meaning something from Abraham somewhere or the other. I, we can't solve all that today, but I think the starting place. And even if you don't answer all the questions, the starting place is let the scripture speak for itself. Mm. Yeah. Let the truth have its day. Yeah. Let the truth have its day. <laughs> mm. He was the hero <laughs> we deserved. 
but not the right. one we needed right now. <laughs> so it's, it seems to me that the difference, the way we read, we might be tempted to read Lot today is, oh, you know, this, this incident with his daughters, that's terrible. How could he do that? But if you're an ancient Middle Eastern reader, you think, wow, he's, he's really taking this whole thing seriously. He knows the gravity of this situation. Well, like, there's a uh, yeah, part it's of kind me of, would says, you rather, would you rather sacrifice two people that mean a lot to you and be personally judged? Or would you rather sacrifice every friend and neighbor and everyone? Including the two people that are, uh, including the two close people, to you. they are not called righteous. <laughs> right. Like, so like, for instance, if Lot doesn't offer his daughters to try to stop this thing in his mind, does the whole place get torched? Because this boundary is crossed including him and his daughters like if if like for instance i uh, nathan's pointing out earlier is we cannot appreciate the boundary crossing that lot is so well aware of being less than at least according to the biblical text timeline probably less than a thousand or a little, maybe a little over a thousand years removed from the flood story lot knows what happens here this is the stuff they sit around and tell each other at campfires. Like, you remember when all that happened? That was really bad. The world ended. Lot's trying to mm, prevent that from happening again. Mm. And it doesn't excuse offering his daughters, but it does help explain it. Well, listener, if you would like to prevent a terrible thing from happening, there it like is. missing an episode <laughs> of the Better Than Fiction Bob podcast. Right. That was a hard one, guys. That was a hard one to segue from. This is us standing in the gap telling you to like and subscribe. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's right. Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can uh, hit the like, the plus mark, the heart, the checkbox, whatever that looks like. Even the weird third-party platforms, they are welcome within the house of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And every Tuesday morning, you're going to receive a notification. And not only that, you're going to tell the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. So until then, you guys have a great week, and we'll be back next Tuesday. All right. See you in Zohar. <laughs> Shalom. <laughs>